Mike Tomlin's got a lot of sayings he loves to repeat. I happen to think that most of them are clever, well-conceived, and well-delivered. He finds the right time. One of them that he needs to retire forever, effective immediately, is the one about how he doesn't live in his fears. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. If anyone can call it that, who's a Steelers fan, I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this, the newly reborn DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network. Browns 48, Steelers 37. 48 to 37. The Steelers turned the ball over five times, including a snap over Ben's head on the opening play from scrimmage that handed Cleveland a touchdown. I still can't believe that first quarter. You could be the most cynical observer of this team on the planet and still never have imagined anything like that first quarter where just everything goes wrong in everything direction. It was complete haywire. Offense first, then defense. Everything. Even the special teams didn't look particularly good. As if they felt left out. You know, the train had left the station without them. So we'll give up a couple of significant kick returns as well. Um, I, I almost got nothing for you today. There are so many questions that are left unanswered after last night. Number one, and I'm sure this is going to be at the forefront of a lot of the conversation in the days to come, was the whole scene with Ben Roethlisberger and Marquise Pouncey sitting on the bench together, Ben visibly shedding a tear, the two of them walking off the field together, maybe for the last time, maybe it's just Pouncey, maybe it's Pouncey and Ben, maybe it's neither for all we know. Other scenes from that game that stand out the wide receivers making plays in the second half but none in the first half the offensive line going with Kevin Dotson instead of Matt Filer and Filer goes and commits two penalties in the first quarter tying his season total matching his season total for penalties The offensive line caving around Ben, just as we'd seen happen almost all season long. Defense barely noticed T.J. Watt. Why? Well, partly because the Browns paid extra attention to him. Partly because the defensive coordinator thought it was a swell idea on a third and two to drop him into coverage. I could do this stuff for probably hours. I'll bet you can too. It was that kind of game. So many things went so wrong that you feel like no matter how many things you mention, you're going to gloss over something or completely forget about something that was actually really important. I, 
I, I'm stuck on this. I'm stuck on these fourth and shorts because they were such a problem for the Steelers all year long. Everything that involved short yardage was a headache. Even in this game when they got down to the goal line, remember it was just pounding your forehead against cement blocks to do anything in short yardage. That it feels almost fitting that we're talking about short yardage stuff after this game as well. The Steelers had the ball at the Browns, inside the Browns' 40-yard line. They were down 28 points. Tomlin punted. I, I, I still can't believe I saw that. I still can't believe that I witnessed that. I still can't believe that Jordan Berry took the field. You need points. It's not a field possession game when you're down 28. Not at any point in the game. <laughs> Whatever quarter it is, it's not a field possession game when you're down 28. And as karma would have it, Barry boots the thing into the Cleveland end zone for a touchback. So the net pickup on that was nothing, less than 20 yards. You know, And you're thinking, good, maybe he'll learn from it next time. No, no. Now the Steelers start roaring back, as we'd seen, not in a positive way, but way too often. Ben, in particular, wouldn't wake up until the second half. He'd start getting a little bit stretched out, and the end of the first half, he'd hit a couple passes, and, all right, I'm feeling it now, and he'd come out for the second half, and he'd just be winging the ball downfield. Why did it take that long? I don't know. Again, throw that on top of the pile of unanswered mystery questions. But what you know for a fact, what you know beyond any dispute is that the Steelers were coming back and you knew that they were still playing the Browns. I looked over at the far sideline and confirmed those were the Browns. They were waiting to brown because it is what they do. They brown things up. Their offense couldn't move the ball at all. Why? Because Alex Van Pelt, who was filling in as head coach, understood that he has Baker Mayfield at quarterback. Baker looked like a pick six waiting to happen. So he's thinking, I've got Nick Chubb. I've got Kareem Hunt. I'm just going to run the ball. Well, the Steelers figured this out and said, all right, we're just going to key on those running backs. And they forced a couple of really convincing three and outs, got the Browns to punt. So here, here they come. Steelers have the ball again, and they start moving down the field. And they, they run into a, you know, a bump. And they're faced with a fourth and one close to midfield. This was right when the quarter changed from the third to the fourth quarter. So on top of everything else, they had a little bit of bonus time. To think about it, maybe Ben could go over and lobby a little bit. Hey, coach, I think we got something here. Maybe Randy Feetner could say, hey, I'm the wizard around here. I've got a play that's just fantastic. Haven't used this one 
hip pocket, here it comes. No, they sent the they sent Barry back out to punt again. And he punted. And the Browns took the ball. And the Browns went 80 yards downfield and scored. You can blame the defense on that if you want. They're deserving of it. It's very fair. Heck, when I asked Mike Tomlin uh, myself afterward why he punted in this situation, that's exactly what he did. Mike, you had a fourth and short uh, midway through the fourth quarter. Your team had some momentum. What went into your decision to punt there? We had had some stops. I wanted to pin them down and maybe provide the short field for our offense. We'd had maybe two or three consecutive stops. And so um, I just wanted to keep the momentum going uh, in in terms of field positioning, uh, but we weren't good enough in terms of doing that. Well, sorry, but that's, that's deflecting. That's just deflecting. There's nothing else to that, that statement that he made in his response to me. He's saying, I did this because I wanted to pin them back because we'd gotten all these stops, so he thought he'd get another stop. But again, it's not a field position game. In that moment, it's a momentum game. It's all about who's feeling it. The Browns were browning. I don't know that they would have lost. I don't know that the Steelers would have made the fourth and one. I would just like to have found out. I would like to know further that the head coach of a National Football League team has enough faith in his Hall of Fame-bound franchise quarterback and his presumably trusted offensive coordinator that they could concoct a way to get one freaking yard. One. Ben ended up passing for 501 yards. Maybe it could have been 502. That's when you do it. That's when you do it. Take it a step further and look at it from the opposite perspective. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you for the first time. Welcome, a new partner to our programming, Fubo TV. If you haven't heard of Fubo TV, I can promise that you will soon because they're making a big entry into the Pittsburgh market, particularly with the imminent edition of AT&T Sportsnet, which means you'll be able to get anywhere the Steelers are shown as well as all of the Penguins and Pirates games via AT&T Sportsnet. What's the deal with Fubo TV? It's simple. It's streaming. It's not cable TV. Typical monthly cost of cable is over $200. Fubo TV is $65 a month to watch all the same channels. And it comes with a DVR cloud system, you don't pay for it, and you don't pay for any installation. Got your attention yet? I kind of thought so here. I know the market. With Fubo TV, you'll never miss a game. They've got the NFL, the NHL, Major League Baseball, Premier League Soccer, NBA, La Liga, College Sports, everything. 
65 bucks a month and you drop cable. But wait, as they say, there's more. Because if you try out Fubo TV through us, do the seven-day free trial, and go to FuboTV.com slash DK, you'll get 15% off your first month. No contracts, no catches, no nothing. You can cancel at any time. One more time, that deal is to go to FuboTV, that's F-U-B-O-T-V.com slash DK to get 15% off your first month. Taking this from the opposite perspective, I did mention that those were the Cleveland Browns over there, right? Haven't won anything in forever. Haven't really even existed in the football consciousness forever, other than as a running joke. And it's not like those guys are all immune to it. Even the ones who are new to the team, they get there and right away they feel it. You're in the city, you're around the people, you know what that's like. They're thinking about ways that this could go wrong. More tangibly, their defense is out on the field, and they're gassed. Ben is making them run backward, do all kinds of extra coverage with all these spares and backups that they're using at multiple positions, especially the secondary. And their heads are spinning a little bit. Ben's really got stuff rolling here. If the Steelers convert one yard in that situation. My own gut says that they would have gone down to score. Would they win the game? Again, no idea. Not going to sit here and reverse Nostradamus this. But your chances improve. The number one thing that any coach or manager in any sport can do is to constantly put his or her team into the best position to maximize chances in specific situations and in in an overall scenario. If the Steelers go for this fourth down and they make it, their chances to complete that comeback and to win this game are much, 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 much higher than by, quote-unquote, pinning them deep. The risk? You turn the ball over to the Browns at midfield, which you'd already done several times in the game anyway, but leaving that out. You'd turn the ball over to the Browns at midfield. Your principle remains the same. In theory, you're the head coach, and you say, I believe in this defense because we've gotten a bunch of stops. We've gotten a bunch of three and outs. I'm feeling really good about this defense. Okay, so feel good about them at midfield. What's the difference if you feel good about them there or down at their 20? For the millionth time already in this segment, it's not a field position game at this point. It's just not. It's as if Mike Tomlin specifically is so used to these regular season successes that he has. And to his inestimable credit, he's had a ton of them. And he's so used to the Steelers' way of, well, we get up in the game and, 
you know, we just kind of finish them off and it just becomes a field position game. We're playing a field position game. AFC North football. But this stopped being a field position game the moment you turned the ball over a handful of times in the first quarter alone. There needed to be a sense, a sense for what the team was feeling, what both teams were feeling in that moment. The Browns would have wet themselves if the Steelers converted right then and there. And then who knows? Who knows? But this way, you prioritized field position, and yay, you got it. But the other team did their thing. Is it easy, uh, lazy, and, again, deflective of Tomlin to answer his question to me the way he did? Yeah, I think it was. Because his defense didn't even need to be on the field. Yeah, they obviously could have handled the whole thing a lot better and not let those guys go 80 yards. But they didn't need to be on the field. Ben could have still been rolling. And the whole feel, all of the warm and fuzzy could have stayed on the Pittsburgh side. And then I'm guessing the next time Cleveland did get the ball, Maybe they didn't take the field themselves feeling all that great. Ugh! Well, I mean, again, now I feel like I'm picking something out of a haystack here when there's so, so much to say that went so wrong in this game. I, I don't even know where to start. But, hey, you know what? Now we've got a whole offseason to fuss over it. When we come back, just one question. question that's always brought to you on this program by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg Garbett Kelly and George or LGKG they represent people who are hurt in car accidents who need help with workers comp who filed medical malpractice claims the attorneys at LGKG take pride in making you promises that they will keep they've been doing that in our region for over 80 years LGKG has offices in Cranberry Newcastle, Beaver Falls, Butler, and Elwood City. You can learn more online at lgkg.com or give them a call at 888-842-5454. Just one question. Amid what I'm sure will be a, just a tidal wave of questions that result from this comes from Douglas May, who asks, is it possible that the Steelers turned the ball over five times and were flat? I love this. I love this question. Because within the turnovers themselves, you could see flatness. You could see routes that weren't run with a whole lot of conviction, like the interception that sailed over Benny Snell, who wasn't even looking back to his quarterback. Uh, the ball that skipped off Deontay Johnson's hands for an interception absolutely should have been a catch for Deontay. The snap over Ben's head 
Those are all things where a team just looks like it's out of sorts or flat, and you can say what you want about resting guys in the bye week. I'm sure there will be narratives galore over this. But what do you say about the defense? Where was it? Where was it? Other than a nice little spell there in the third quarter when Cleveland deliberately became one-dimensional, when they thought, I don't know, I didn't think this was particularly smart on the Browns' part, that they could just kill off a quarter and a half of clock and just started running, running, running. Well, anybody that does that, that's telegraphing it, is going to get stopped, and the Browns did. But the defense overall, where was it? Who was tackling Jarvis Landry? Who was even trying to tackle Nick Chubb at times? Who was getting overwhelmed and embarrassed by Kareem Hunt down at the goal line? That has nothing to do with the Steelers' turnovers. That doesn't have anything to do with Ben. Actually, if you want to know the truth, it doesn't have anything to do with the head coach either. That's on those men wearing those uniforms and those helmets out there on the field. Getting pushed back, getting blasted by a by 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 the Cleveland Browns, but not just the Cleveland Browns, but Cleveland Browns that were missing Joel Batonio at left guard, and then also lost their right tackle in the course of this game. And they just kept shoving and pushing and grossly outworking the Steelers in every way. That's flat. That's uninspired. That's not together. Is it fatigued to an extent? Yeah, I could see that. If you're adding up, this was the Steelers' 17th game and the various things that they'd been through, um, schedules, no bye week, the offense constantly putting the defense into a bad position game after game after game that eventually the defense ran out of fuel, fine. But this was right off the bat. It's like the Browns waited. First time they got the ball. Boom! Right down the field. Like it was nothing. Breaking tackles. Ugh. I, I am, I'm sorry. I, I promised you at the beginning of this, I got nothing for you. If you came to me for answers today, it's too soon. It's too fresh. All I've got for you is the same thing you've got for me, and those are questions. We got a lot of time between now and what? Minicamp, OTAs, the draft, <laughs> maybe Latrobe again someday. This is over. This is over. And I think it's going to take us still a pretty good while to figure out why. Thanks to everybody, uh, including Doug, for sending the question. Uh, for participating, and for listening to this program all season. I'm here to tell you, it's not going away. I'll be here every Monday through Friday with a daily shot of Steelers, and I hope you'll continue to tune in, especially once your stomach stops turning.
At Point Park University in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door. Your car. Your gym locker. Your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.